Welcome to the Jesus Christ, Our Savior and Redeemer podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums that testify of Christ's teachings, His life, ministry, and mission, and His sacred atonement. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. During our mission in Canada, my wife Lisa and I gave a last instruction to departing missionaries the day before they went home. Each of these young elders and sisters were heroes to us, and we wanted their transition home to be very, very successful. Our instruction was all given with love and good fun, and I particularly enjoyed instructing on dating and marriage, and several of them are sitting right there. <laughs> One afternoon, I was, as I stood at the blackboard during our last instruction, the Spirit pressed Helaman 5.12 deeply into my mind. This scripture came from what could have been the, prophet, the, the Book of Mormon prophet Helaman's last instruction to his sons prior to their departure for their magnificent mission to the Nephites and the Lamanites. We all quoted the scripture together. And now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that you must build your foundation, that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe because of the rock upon which you are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. What a magnificent verse of Scripture. Think of it. Helaman promises us that if we build our foundation upon our Savior, we cannot fall regardless of what Satan throws at us. What a powerful promise. Our Savior gave the same promise in the Sermon on the Mount when he taught that Whoso heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, because it was founded upon a rock. Now, I bet a lot of you primary graduates are thinking of a song. Would you sing it with me? The first two verses with hand motions. Are you ready? <laughs> the wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. And the rains came tumbling down. A little louder now. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood still. Thank you. You were marvelous. That was great. I think you should all become a chorus here at BYU. <laughs> Doesn't this simple song teach a powerful lesson? Luke puts it slightly differently. He says that Christ said, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid a foundation on a rock. And when the floods arose, the stream ve vehemently against the house, but it could not shake it, 
for it was founded upon a rock. When a person comes to Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ and hears their words and lives by them, he is building his house upon the rock. And regardless of Satan's efforts to destroy it, this type of house won't fall. Why? Because it is built upon the rock. We build it upon our Savior and Redeemer, who, as the Scriptures say, is our rock and our fortress, our everlasting God, our rock and our salvation, the rock from whence ye are hewn, the stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, a spiritual rock, the rock of heaven, the stone of Israel. He, our Savior, has been, and as we follow him, can always be our rock. The Apostle Paul helps us understand Helaman's metaphor. In Ephesians 2, he wrote that as members of Christ's church, we are of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Just as Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of the church, we should allow him to become the chief cornerstone of our lives. We too must build our foundation on the teachings of the Savior and his apostles and prophets. And just as the household of God grows unto an holy temple in the Lord, we too can become more holy. What could be better than that? Let's take a closer look at how we do this. Christ said, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man. Christ invites us to come to him, to follow him, and to do as he does. Remember, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and follow me. Follow me. And listen to the counsel which I shall give unto you. And follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. How do we come to him? It begins with faith in Christ. And central to that faith, to true faith, is action. When we have faith in Jesus Christ, we want to act according to that faith. The Book of Mormon prophet Moroni calls this having real intent. For example, if we have faith in Christ, we come to church each Sunday. If we have faith in the Savior, we pay our tithes and offerings. If we have true faith in our Redeemer, we do something about it because we have real intent. And every time we act according to our faith in Him, we follow Him by hearing and doing His words. As we act with faith in him, the Lord confirms our faith by blessing us with peace, answers to prayer, direction, comfort, and joy. And so our foundation becomes stronger, wider, and deeper. As we act on his words, we are doing something called repenting. In the New Testament, re repentance comes from the word metanoeo, which means to change one's mind or purpose. Isn't that interesting? Every time we turn to Christ, we are repenting. 
We are following him. When we sincerely pray to the Father, in a very real sense, we are repenting. When we read the scriptures and ponder them, we are repenting. As we make changes because of what we are learning about Christ and his gospel, we are repenting. When we do things that make us better, kinder, gentler, more sensitive and spiritual, more virtuous and true, we are repenting. Whenever we choose the better path, we are repenting. Though we all repent of things in our lives that are sinful, most of our repenting comes from hearing his words and doing them, from turning to him. This builds our foundation, and we want that foundation to be as big and as wide and as deep and sturdy as possible. A friend of mine, Michael Kerber, discovered these principles when he was studying the gospel. Initially, he didn't take the lessons too seriously. And he said he was stubborn, and he did not read the Book of Mormon. However, due to a singular spiritual experience he and his wife had with the missionaries, he realized he had to make more than a casual commitment. He committed to read the Book of Mormon. One morning while on vacation, he was reading the Book of Mormon, and he reported his experience in these words. I was reading in Alma somewhere. I remember having come to the end of my reading for that morning and coming to a very clear and undeniable realization of the truth of the Book of Mormon. It is indescribable. All I know is that it is as though every cell of my body rang out or sang out or shouted out that this is it. This is true. Here it is. Look no further. You have found the answer to your prayers. I remember getting up and walking over to my wife and saying to her, we're joining this church. Audrey then asked, why now? What changed? And he said, he, he said, pardon me, I answered I, do, I don't know, but I do know that this book is true. And if this book is true, then it was translated by a prophet of God. And if it was translated by a prophet of God, then I am joining this church. As we come unto the Savior by exercising faith in him and repenting every day, we prepare ourselves to follow Christ by receiving ordinances. The first ordinance of heaven is to follow Christ into baptism. Baptism is how we manifest our faith to the Father. The Book of Mormon Nephi teaches us to follow the Son with full purpose of heart, acting no hypocrisy and no deception before God, but with real intent, repenting of your sins, witnessing unto the Father that you are willing to take upon you the name of Christ by baptism. Yea, by following your Lord and your Savior down into the water. Behold, then shall ye receive the Holy Ghost. So we follow Christ by being baptized, which Elder Bednar refers to as a necessary initial cleansing of our soul from sin. Baptism continues the process of establishing our lives on the foundation we are building upon the rock. After we're baptized, we receive our next ordinance, confirmation. This is when the Father gives us his great gift 
the gift of the Holy Ghost, the third member of the Godhead. This is called the baptism of fire. Nephi taught that after the baptism of water comes the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And then can ye speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises unto the Holy One of Israel. Elder Bednar quoted President Marion G. Romney, who said that the baptism of fire by the Holy Ghost, quote, converts us from carnality to spirituality. It cleanses, heals, and purifies the soul. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repentance, and water baptism are all preliminary and prerequisite to it. But the baptism of fire is the consummation. To receive this baptism of fire is to have one's garments washed in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. Close quote. The blessings that come from baptism and confirmation are marvelous. So great that people, many people, cannot wait to be confirmed in sacrament meeting after their baptism. Recently, a wonderful sister who'd been baptized the day before dressed and waited for an hour to be picked up for church, but no one came. She called her missionaries to ask them why. They didn't initially pick up, but listened to her message and immediately called her back. They said, It's 12.30 a.m. It's midnight. And she responded, Oh, no. And then she laughed really hard. <laughs> After receiving these two, first two ordinances, we have the privilege of living what Nephi calls after the manner of happiness, growing our faith, repenting each day, receiving the priesthood, studying the scriptures, praying with real intent, inviting others to come unto Christ, obtaining all the ordinances of the temple available to us, marrying and having a family, searching out our ancestors and performing ordinances for them, having many, many friends, and much, much more. Each of these activities is associated with great blessings, not just for ourselves, but for our families and our friends. These behaviors build and broaden our foundation. Think of our present-day apostles and their lives. Think of how substantial and formidable their foundations must be built each day by repenting and righteous living. As we stand upon the foundation we're building upon Christ and his apostles, we notice the influences of Satan around us. Nephi calls these the mists of darkness or the temptations of the devil that blind the eyes and harden the hearts of the children of men and lead them away into broad roads that they perish and are lost. But we have heavenly help and protection from the, his influences. Helaman's promise is true that when Satan shall send forth his whirlwind, hail, and mighty storm, they shall have no power over you because of the foundation upon which you are built, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. One such person who stayed on this foundation was my wife's great-great-grandfather, William Geddes. He joined the church after hearing the missionaries preaching on a street corner in Scotland in 1847 at the tender age of 14. 
When his family learned of his baptism, they threw his few belongings out the door and refused to let him be part of the family. He learned to survive on the streets while working in the coal mines, and he continued to learn and grow in the gospel, building his foundation on the Savior. A few years later, they allowed him to move back in with the family, but only if he agreed to never speak to them about his religion. He respected their wishes, but he continued his activity and growth in the gospel. Some time after returning to his family, William contracted cholera, and he became very ill. His condition worsened until he was near death. He begged his parents to let the Mormon missionaries come and give him a blessing. At first, they refused, but they finally relented because they felt this was the last request of their dying son. The elders came and administered to William. He was immediately healed and went out that night with the missionaries. Because he stood on his foundation, he was able to face temptations and trials even at a very young age. Brothers and sisters, we will all face challenges. The scripture doesn't say if we will feel Satan's storms, but when. Look around you. We see wars and rumors of wars, love of money and appearance, immorality, pornography, infidelity, drug, alcohol, and social media addiction, attacks on religious freedom, attacks on the nature of marriage, and even attacks on the Savior himself. Isaiah saw our day and said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. We do not have to experience the evil or the darkness. We can join with the people of Alma and stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places that we may be in. When we stand upon our foundation with the Savior and his apostles, we can see more clearly what is true and what is not. With the clear and magnificent light of our Savior, aided by the powerful influence of the Holy Ghost, we can detect the temptations of clever Satan in his efforts to weaken our faith. Remember that Paul warned us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, brothers and sisters, I need to speak soberly to you for a moment. Please listen carefully. Should you ever choose to step off that wonderful foundation you are building upon the rock for whatever reason, be warned that the mists of darkness will almost immediately surround you. You will become vulnerable to the fiery darts of the adversary. The first emotion you will probably feel is confusion. You will not see clearly and likely won't be able to see where you've come from nor where you're going. Relationships with people who have loved and blessed you will change. Can you feel Satan's shafts in the whirlwind here? 
You may find yourself wanting to hide what you are doing from others who love you. You will likely find yourself growing irritated and angry more easily. You will probably find fault with others more frequently, even those closest to you. You may become casual in keeping covenants, and with time, simply not keep them at all. Can you feel Satan's mighty storm? You will most likely find that you're just not as happy. With time, if you do not step back on your foundation, you may forget the many, many marvelous things the Lord has given you and find yourself falling away into forbidden paths and become lost. I join the Book of Mormon prophet Jacob in saying to you, O my beloved brothers and sisters, repent ye and enter in at the straight gate and continue in the way which is narrow until ye shall obtain eternal life. Oh, be wise. What more can I say? What can I say more? Now, brothers and sisters, should this ever happen to you, repent and get back on your foundation. Start building your house again. Regardless of where you find yourself off your foundation, you can come back. The Savior's atonement is real, and through him we have power to resist any of Satan's temptations and be forgiven for our sins. As the Savior said, Behold, he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. By this you may know if a man repenteth of his sins. Behold, he will confess them and forsake them. Remember what Helaman promised his sons? He promised that Satan's mighty winds and storms, hail and whirlwinds, shall have no power over you because of the rock upon which ye are built. This is a true promise. Now let's examine who gave this promise and to whom he gave it. It was a faithful father teaching his sons to prepare and empower them as they went forth wearing the armor of God. These teachings were given in a family. Throughout the scriptures, we read about fathers and mothers teaching their families. What does this mean to us? It means we aren't building our foundations just for ourselves. We're building them for ourselves and our loved ones. We who have come to know the goodness of God and his blessings must build a foundation big enough and broad enough and sturdy enough to bless our marriage and to raise our children. We protect them from the fiery darts of Satan by teaching them from their youth to build their foundations upon the rock. We must help them find faith in Christ, repent, and obtain every ordinance. It is our privilege and responsibility to help to teach and help raise a sin-resistant generation. Now, what could be more important than that? In 1869, my great-great-grandfather, Edwin S. Graham, wrote a letter to his children prior to traveling to Texas from Iowa. Having a strong Christian faith and knowing that he might not live to see them again, he gave, he gave them what could have been called his last instruction. He wrote, 
In the event that I should not live to return to you, I know that in your mother you will have the affection and devotion that you could that you could possibly have as long as she might live. Robbie, you and Lizzie are so young that should you forever be bereft of your father's care, advice, and instructions, live in the fear of God, your Redeemer. Never wrong in any way your fellow man. In morals, be ever particularly careful, prudent, discreet. Never lie. Never make a harsh promise. Master, always master. Never let passion master you. In all things, be true to yourselves and to others with God's blessing. May he ever guide you. Great-great-grandfather was right. We must live right in the fear or respect of God. Helaman was right. We must build our foundation on our Savior. If we do so, we cannot fall, regardless of what Satan does. Let me repeat that. Regardless of what Satan does, we cannot fall. Heavenly Father loves us so much that he prepared a perfect plan of salvation. In the center of that plan is the atonement of Jesus Christ. If we choose to come unto Christ and receive his gospel, we can return home to live with our Father again, with our family, and there together enjoy eternal life. His perfect plan is working. I know that God lives and that Jesus Christ is the Christ. I know that Thomas S. Munson is the prophet and that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the Savior's Church. I testify that all these things are true. I testify that they are central to the foundation that we are building upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Jesus Christ, Our Savior and Redeemer podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on overcoming adversity by study and by faith. Come follow me, Love and Marriage, and the Prophet Joseph Smith. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.